I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Okay, some coffee in me. Kids are off to school, ready for another edition, only the second edition, actually, of the HN Mailbag podcast on the Hawkeye Nation podcast feed. I am Rob Howe, publisher of Hawkeye Nation, um, and, and um, it is, what is today, Wednesday, February the 19th? And we're recording just a shade before 10 a.m. And um, a day before Iowa, 20th ranked Iowa, plays host to number 25 Ohio State in basketball. Big, big 10 game tomorrow night. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Um, But I'm going to answer your questions today. And we had quite a few more questions on the Hawkeye Nation excuse me, Hawkeye Nation message boards than we did on Twitter this week and kind of had some mixed input feedback from last week's podcast in terms of the length. I think I ran an hour and 15, an hour and 20. We're going to try to cut that a little bit today. That's kind of a little bit long for a mailbag podcast in my mind. And I do appreciate the folks that reached out and said they, they, they will take as much as I will give in terms of the length of the podcast, but um, I also realize people, you you know, listen listen to these during their commutes, and you know, everybody only has a certain amount of time to dedicate uh, to things like this. So I will try to condense it a little bit today. Um, I'm going to start on our Hawkeye Nation, and if you're not a on our message boards and you're a Hawkeye fan, it is a really there, there is some tomfoolery there, but overall, um, good conversation, uh, good community there that's been around for years. Um, a lot of people that 
John Miller, you know, or with John Miller originally at Super Hawkeye and then with Rivals and then with Scout and then when he went independent. Um, people that I've seen on these boards for years and years, decades. So good community, um, good, good, uh, doing a nice job with the game day threads. If you want to interact with people away from Twitter in a more, uh, I guess, more cozy community with, with fewer people and, and trolls, I think the message boards uh, might be for you, but I digress. Let's, um, let's dive into some questions here. Uh, in good company, one of our main contributors on the message boards and appreciate him being there. Um, he missed us last week with a question, but he was first in this week, uh, shortly after I posted this yesterday, uh, requesting questions. And he asks, is Fran McCaffrey underpaid in, comp- in, comp- in comparison to his peers? And when do you expect Iowa to extend him? And as good company found out, uh, along with me, there really isn't a up-to-date um, database for college basketball coaches. USA Today did one a few years ago. That may have been last year or the year before. I can't remember, but I think it's through 2018, so a little bit dated. Uh, we did find something on stadium, watchstadium.com. Also not you – know, first of all, Fran McCaffrey's not listed on here for some reason. I'm not really sure why that is. Um, but we, you can kind of put the pieces of the puzzle together. Um, Fran was extended, I believe, in this November or December of 2018, uh, which was met with quite a bit of blowback because it was done kind of behind the scenes with Gary Barta and Iowa was struggling at the time and there was a large buyout and yada, yada. You know the story. But anyway, he makes roughly – from what I can gather, about $3 million a year. And looking at the Watch Stadium's list, you have um, – I'm going to start with guys that are in that area. And you have Tony Bennett at Virginia that is uh, about a little over $3 million a year. Um, then Kelvin Sampson's at $3 million a year. Chris Holtman for Ohio State is at $3 million. Mark Turgeon is a little over 2.9 uh, at Maryland. Brad Underwood at Illinois is 2.95. Um, so Fran's in that neighborhood, which, you know, I, I think is fair. Um, and Hoiberg is at 2.5. And, and, and keep in mind that um, some of these things, like Hoiberg, for instance, uh, the notes on this Watch Stadium story, uh, under his total compensation of 2.5, uh, in the notes section, it says two, $2.5 in annual base salary. Coach can earn a million retention bonus next contract if he remains continuously employed by the school through July 1st of 2020, uh, which isn't far away, and you have to assume that he's going to be uh, the coach at that point. So that kicks him up to 3.5. Again, we don't have any of that for Fran here. I believe three is kind of his ceiling, but I don't think it, it's a, you know, there's a, a huge discrepancy here among his peers in the big 10. So I think he's fairly compensated. He was probably undercompensated early with the wreck that he took over from Licklider and had to rebuild, but uh, he's kind of worked his way up to this salary. And in terms of extension, I believe he is 
his contract runs through four seasons following this one. So the 23-24 season. So usually you get in that, you know, four or five area and you may bump it a year or two just for recruiting purposes. So recruits see, it's kind of silly because, you know, (laughs) a lot of times recruits don't look that far ahead, but it's one of those things you want to protect yourself from on the recruiting trail. So I could see him maybe, especially after this season, if it's a successful run here at the end, it's already been successful, but maybe you bump him a year here uh, just to get him to that five-year mark. Um, But I would think something will be coming here at least within the next year or two. So hopefully that answers your question in good company. I appreciate you asking. Um, TK, my boy TK, the love doctor, asked, if I found out about Frank Garza's hair products, I have not. They were on the road twice last week. I will try to ask tomorrow night, Thursday, at the Ohio State game. So you may have to ask that question for a third straight week. Um, how are how are our five recruits for next year doing? I answered this last year, uh, or last year, last week in the Mailbag podcast. Uh, and this is Iowa Hawk fifty two. Appreciate the question. Um, uh, of those five guys, everybody's really playing well. Um, again, like I said last week, it's different competition, different levels, different parts of the country. Uh, Tony Perkins is, you know, having an, you know, Indiana Mr. Basketball-like senior season, if that gives you an indication that with how good the basketball is in that state. Uh, Keegan and Chris Murray are down in Florida at prep school and performing well there. Uh, Josh Ungandali uh, out in um, – in Massachusetts uh, playing at a prep school there has played well. And who am I leaving out? Oh, Aaron Eulis, uh having a really just seems to keep getting better um, at Marion Catholic in Chicago Heights, Illinois. So we'll get a little bit more feel for those guys as they enter the postseason here. And we'll get more information. I think once they get to the postseason, particularly the high school guys. Um, but really I think Fran got in, with these guys and, and not really a highly ranked class, but all guys that have taken their games forward this season, which is a great sign. And, and a good thing is, is most likely they're not going to be relied upon heavily next year uh, as it is. So that's uh, that's good. They'll have some time to get their feet under them when they get to college. How is CJ progressing as well as our three medical red shirts from this year? That was part two of Iowa Hawk. 52, 52's question. Uh, we've touched on this on the message boards a little bit. Originally thought to be a high ankle sprain. Uh, I checked with uh, Joe's uncle and, uh, or CJ's uncle, excuse me. And he's having pain in the upper ankle, but it's considered a low ankle sprain. But he has, and Tim Miles talked a bit about this on the Minnesota game broadcast on Sunday, that it's turned on all different shades. I mean, it's a pretty severe ankle injury. I would be really surprised if he's back tomorrow against Ohio State. I think maybe outside chance Tuesday at Michigan State and then possibly uh, the following weekend against Penn State. Uh, I think if you can get him back maybe even that last week uh, where you play Purdue at home and then at Illinois to get him a couple games before postseason, before the Big Ten tournament in the NCAA, just not a situation where you're where you want to rush him. He's such an integral part of this team. Uh, you don't want him to come back and re-injure it and then be out and then lose him for the postseason because that's really uh, what is most important. 
Uh, it's going to be really hard for Iowa to win this conference. Uh, Maryland is three games clear of them and two games clear of second place Penn State. It's really the Terrapins really are in the driver's seat at this point. Um, and Iowa with with two tough road games at Michigan State and Illinois. It's you know they, they it would have Iowa would have to win out and then even in that point you don't know if you're gonna if Maryland's gonna lose three. So really. I know people want to get to that top four, and I think it'd be great to get to that top four in the double bye for the Big Ten tournament. But more importantly, you want to be at full strength when you get to the postseason. Okay, Legend 24, starting five prediction for next year if JW, which is Joe Wieskamp, and Luca come back. This is a good one because um, it's crowded. And I have another question about scholarship distribution. I think somebody asked later on that I'll get to, but I'm going to use this chart right now to go through that. Right. Luca and Joe are givens. I think CJ Frederick is a given. So that's three spots. Where do you go after that? Um, from a point guard position, is that Toussaint? Does Connor McCaffrey swing back there? Connor McCaffrey leads the, the country in assist to turnover ratio uh, playing multiple positions, but maybe he's your Swiss army knife off the bench, but he started every game this year. So, or just about every game. I'm not sure if I'm pretty sure it was every game. I don't have the stats in front of me. So do you knock him out of the starting lineup after he started every game this year? But do you use Tucson as a guy who's a really good defender get that can, you know, match up with quick point guards. And then after that, you've got Jack Nungy coming back. Um, and Jordan Bohannon coming back off of redshirt season. So I'm going to go with, and this is, I'll write this in pencil. Give me Jordan Bohannon at point guard. Give me CJ Frederick at the other guard position. And both of those guys can handle and shoot. Give me Joe Wieskamp at the three. Give me Connor McCaffrey at the four and Luca in the middle. I'm bringing Nunji off my bench, Toussaint off my bench, Patrick McCaffrey off my bench, Cordell Pemsel off my bench. And are I missing anybody? I think that's it. And then you've got the freshman and Riley Till. We'll get to him later. Um, but he's a possibility to come back for next season as well. Uh, as a guy that would come off your bench. And then you have the walk-ons like Austin Ash, et cetera. But my starting five right now, as we sit here on February 19th, if I had to say today, Bohannon, Frederick, Wieskamp, Connor McCaffrey, Luca Garza. And that's if they all come back, which remains to be seen. Uh, Motobasan, who was in last week, how does Joe Wieskamp's stats this year compare to his freshman year? Is he progressing or regressing? Um, I do not have his stats in front of me. Let me pull them up here from last year to this year uh, for comparison's sake. And I would say Joe is progressing. He's a better defensive player this year. He's getting more attention uh, on scouting reports this year. And... Um, Let's see. So as a freshman last year, he started 35 games. He started all 26 games this season. Last year averaged 27 minutes. This year, 32 minutes. Last year averaged 11.1 points per game. This year, he's averaging 14.9 points per game. So almost an additional four points per game. Uh, Three-point shooting last year was 42%. This year is 37%. So a little bit down there. 
Field goal percentage, 48% last year, 45% this year. Free throws, 76.7 last year, 82.8 this year. Rebounds last year, 4.9 this year, 6.2. You would expect a little bit of drop-off on shooting percentages because he is being asked to do more. Uh, and he's, a, he's one of the more he, – he's moved up in terms of options on Iowa's offense. As I said, he's more – um, he's more, he's more of a focus of the opponent's scouting reports. So I think Joe has had, a, has taken a step forward this year. Um, if Luca wasn't having the type of year he was having, I think people would appreciate Joe a little bit more. He does have games where the opponents are able to take him away for stretches, but he doesn't force things, which I like. And I think that's important. He's not turning the ball over. He's not forcing shots to the point where he's just trying to get his, oh, no, I've only got two points. I, gotta have, to, I have to get some shots off. He's getting the ball to Luka. He's one of the guys moving the ball around on the offense that open things up for Luka. So I, I'm not I, – I, 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 and maybe I'm reading too much into your question, Moda Bassan, maybe um, because, I've, because I've heard other people criticizing Joe, but I don't think – there should be negativity towards Joe Wieskamp. He's having a really good year, and I shudder to think where this team would be without him. Uh, thanks to Friowa for answering questions on the thread. Um, let's see. Melrose Hawk. It is obvious how teams are scheming against Iowa now with CJ out with the three-headed monster going. I think teams are let, fine letting – Guards at 25 is showing us uh, teams are key to stop we came from being physical. Okay, so these people are answering questions, not asking questions. Um, compare France seasons. I'm going to try to condense these a little, Melrose. These are really long questions and kind of more in depth than I can probably answer on a podcast. Uh, let's see. Compare France seasons. Is this year's successful season more of an anomaly compared to previous years or vice versa? Are the previous years where they faltered more of an anomaly? It's hard to, I'm kind of one of those guys and maybe this is just from being around and being around coaches. I, I, we all want narratives. We all want trends. We all want, this is the way it's going to be. But each team and each season is different. You just don't know how they're going to play out. None of us saw this coming this year outside of that Iowa locker room. And I'm not sure. I mean, I know they'll tell you that they thought Luca was going to have a great year. But, I mean, we had Nicholas Bear on the KGYM podcast. He didn't think Luca was going to take a step forward like this. It's just so hard to predict. I know we've heard about the Fran fade, the February fade. Aaron White's senior year, Iowa was great down the stretch of that season and pushed its way up into the Big Ten tournament a little bit more. Unfortunately, it had a, it had a, um, a valley in the middle of the season and had to play Gonzaga in the second round out in Seattle, and that was unfortunate. But I'm just, I hesitate to say this is an anomaly or, you know, what's more. We have to kind of see how we can judge Fran just like we judge Kirk at when their careers are over. Um, I do think, and I'm kind of feeding off of some some of the follow-up from Melrose Hawks' uh, question here, uh, wanting to know which Fran – is this Fran – is this what we're going to see from Fran? There are just – look around the league. Teams go up, teams go down. Teams go up – it's very hard to sustain success, especially in college basketball where guys leave early, Um, transfers, things like that. 
I will say that I think this is the type of Fran, the type of team that Fran does well with. It's a low maintenance, low drama team that is very self-motivated. And I think that helps Fran. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with Connor being on the team and knowing and helping and being a coach out on the floor. Was, and this is, again, from Melrose. Was Fran's past three teams strapped with personnel, personnel that really didn't fit his style? I think Fran's pretty flexible in terms of what he wants to do in, you know, in the half court and running sets for certain guys. Um, I, 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 get, I, I get that we want to figure out why – last year's team wasn't as as successful as this year's team, even though last year's team had Bohannon and Cook and Moss and Nicholas Bear. Sometimes it's just chemistry and how the pieces fit together. It's hard. I think we should maybe not try to overanalyze that. Um, and, and again, you have a national player of the year candidate in Luca Garza. And <laughs> that just, when you have that, it's, it's, it's and, and I wouldn't say I'm trying to read your questions as I'm answering here. Was he was he always a better coach than what those teams showed? Or again, is this year's team an anomaly because you have Garza on it playing lights out? I just don't think you can separate those things. Gar Luca could leave after this year, and next year could still be a successful season with other guys stepping up. Maybe not to the level or to the degree that Luca has done this year. But still, pieces can fit together. you got Bohannon coming back and Nunji coming back. And who knows what Iowa has in these freshmen. I just – and then finally, Melrose finishes his question, is the jury kind of out on Fran in a way? I, I don't think so. I think you know what you have here. Um, after a decade, he's not going to bring in a bunch of four- and five-star recruits. He's had some, uh, but this is more – and I hesitate and cringe when I say this, more developmental program like football. And that's what you have with Fran. I think they're going to be steady, competitive, fast-paced, offensive-oriented teams. And how the pieces that he has on his roster fit into that foundation and that system will, will let us know how good they're going to be. I don't think the jury's out on Fran. I think we know what we have. Uh, okay, so that's it for the basketball questions on the message board. I'm going to flip to the football message board now, and then I will go to Twitter. Let's see. I know I had. Oh, here we go. Um, from Hawk in three, has Kirk ever said anything about how long he wants to keep coaching? How long do you think he will keep going? This is a fair question, which I do not have an answer to. Um, he hasn't really talked about it. I think he's still enjoying it. Um, I don't think he has any designs on leaving in the next, you know, year or so, but he's getting up there. He's got a lot of years under him. He's got plenty of money in the bank. It's really just a matter of how long he keeps enjoying this and he gets to work with his son. He gets to work with his son-in-law. He's around guys that he's been around for years. I think there's a really good camaraderie and chemistry in the football offices. I think they've done a good job of reestablishing the foundation here in terms of players and recruiting. He's got an influx of young coaches that have 
breathes some life into the program. Not that it, you know, was in desperate need of it, but I think there's a nice mix of veteran and then younger coaches and then guys in the middle. So it's a good question. I, I think his contract runs through 25. I would not be at all be surprised to see him take this through the contract, but who knows? Maybe Iowa makes a run one of these next few years to the Big Ten Championship, and he wants to ride off on a high note. It's just hard to say. I would say I don't think he'll go beyond 2025. If I had to say, how, you know, to answer the second part of your question, how long do I think he'll keep going? Um, maybe five more years. How old is Kirk? I'm Google that right now. I should know this. I know his birthday is, is August 1st because we're usually around the time when we were in Chicago for the Big Ten football. Let's see. Kirk Ferentz. So he's 64. He will be 65 retirement age August 1st. So you think if he goes till 2025, that puts him at 70. And he's in great shape. I think he's physically and mentally, he is physically in very good shape. I wish I was in that good a shape at 52. Um, and mentally, he's, he's sharp as a tack. So we'll just have to see. We'll see how, what type of su- success the program has. Um, I do believe that he would like Brian to take over the program. I think that is the plan, whether they say it or not, in the back of their heads, that that's what the su- they would like the su- succession plan to be. And that probably factors into when, when Kirk will leave. If it feels like a good time for Brian to take over, whenever that may be, that will, that will likely be when Kirk steps away. That's kind of, if I had to predict, that's, that's what my prediction would be. Uh, let's see here. I've got too many windows open on my computer. I'm going to close the Wieskamp statistics and the coaching salary statistics and the Kirk Ferentz page. And let's get back to the football message board on Hawkeye nation gun to your head. That seems kind of violent. You are the starting, who are the starting five offensive linemen at kickoff for first game? Uh, we have, I think we went over this a little bit last week. Good com- will be good competition. I will try not to take up too much of your time. I think I went in more depth of this last week. This is Spider Rico with this question, who's putting a gun to my head. Uh, I will say left tackle, Alaric Jackson, not going out on a limb there. Uh, left guard will be Mark Kallenberger. Center, Tyler Linderbaum, not a, not a uh, going out on a limb there. I think, I think Linderbaum and Jackson are givens. I will take Kyler Schott at right guard, and I will take Coy Cronk at right tackle. Uh, I could also see Kalenberger and Cronk flipping. I do think there will be rotations on the offensive line, but that will be my starting five. Spider Rico hits me with some over-unders. Petrus, 2,400 passing yards. I will take the – I'm bad at statistics. Uh, Petrus at 2,400. What did Stanley have last year? I should probably know this as well, and I don't. Uh, bear with me here while I pull up stats, uh, sports football. It's moving pretty quick here. Bypass the swarm 20 page, go to stats and Stanley had 29:51 this past season. And he was off a little bit in terms of, you know, the previous years in terms of touchdowns. 
I am good. That's a good number. 2,400, I think, is a pretty good number. I am going to take the over, and the reason being veteran group of receivers, pretty good group of tight ends, and a good stable of running backs. And as we talked about, a pretty good offensive line, or, or at least a potentially solid offensive line. I think the offense around him is going to be pretty good. I will take the over. Goodson, 900 rushing yards. Uh, he led the team this past season with – 638 net. Can he get another 362 this season playing in at least 13 games? I believe he can. I will take the over there, especially with Torin Young leaving the program. Petrus, 18 passing touchdowns. I will take the over. Goodson, seven rushing touchdowns. Um, He had five this past year. I will take the over there. Um, Smith Marset, 850 in receiving yards. He had 722 this year. I will take the under there just because he has to share the ball with a lot of folks on that side, you know, in the passing game. And I think he's capable of that. Brandon Smith, seven TDs. Take the under there again, just because of this, the amount of, uh, weapons options there are on that side of the ball. Uh, let's see. What do you have here for me? Sacks. Uh, let's see. Iowa had 33 last year and you're asking me if it's over 25. That's a good number. I am going to go under 25 and then team interceptions 12. My tendency is to go over there, but let me check it what the numbers were this year. This year they were 12 and that was low for Iowa. I will go over the 12 interceptions. So Take that to the Riverside Casino or wherever you're, you place your bets, Spider Rico. Um, those will be 100% accurate. Uh, CP87 on the message board who loves the over-under drill. Um, I did a piece before last season on that, and he jumped right in, and I appreciate that. I don't have time to read that now. I will read that later. Um, Circus, I believe that's how you say the screen name. Aside from Petrus, who has basically been named the starting quarterback for 220, who on the roster who didn't play at all or very little in 2019 will have the biggest impact on the team in 2020? Um, my tendency to, will be to say maybe somebody at tight end, a Yelverton. Um, a Josiah Miaman, somebody coming in there. Possibly, um, I think you're going to need somebody on the defensive line to step up. Uh, most of those guys were, you know, role players last year. Um, look at a guy, I guess I don't know where you put a guy like Davion Nixon. He played a lot last year, but I think he's, I would I would put him more in a, in a excuse me, a breakout category. I think he's going to be like a high-level Big Ten player, potential all-Big Ten type player. Um, I think John Wagner or Joe Evans at defensive end could have kind of a breakout year. I think um, Dane Belton, who kind of settled into that cash position last year, I think he takes a step forward, whether that be back at cash or at strong safety. Um, I think Julius Brents or Rally Moss at cornerback has a chance to take a, a big step forward this year. 
Um, so those would be some guys just kind of off the top of my head. And then at middle linebacker, either a Dylan Doyer or Jack Campbell, whoever wins that competition, if they in fact win that competition and they don't slide, maybe Ben Neiman over there and put somebody else at Leo move Ben or is it Ben? No, Nick Neiman, excuse me, into the middle linebacker spot or um, somebody else in that middle linebacker spot, but that's a key spot. So somebody like Jack Campbell or Dylan Doyle in the middle, if they happen to step up there are some guys that uh, I have on my radar, but I, I think a good thing about this team guys is that, there's a lot of talent coming back. So you're not going to need maybe some, some as many breakout guys. Logan Lee is another guy on the defensive line, I think. I think he probably would have played last year under d- different circumstances if there weren't so many veterans on the defensive line. Uh, but he is a guy that I could see uh, stepping forward this year. And, and keep an eye on Seth Besnett, that linebacker. I know he's kind of been overshadowed. Um, but he's been really good on special teams. And he's a guy, I think, that has a chance to take a pretty big step forward this season. All right, back to the questions. Uh, from J, some from JB Standifer on the HN message board. As meticulous as Kirk is, he cannot be happy playing Minnesota on a short week following the Iowa State game. With an already brutal schedule, do you think Iowa got screwed by the Big Ten by awarding Fleck a Friday night game with the Hawks? Time for a sip of coffee. No, you're probably not supposed to do that in a podcast or on the air, but talking by myself here and have nobody to talk for me. (laughs) So I take a sip of liquid, which I need for my throat. Um, Is Iowa getting screwed? I would have to look over the whole Big Ten schedule, and maybe I'll do that at a different time to know if other programs are in a position with short turnarounds. And, you know, it's all about television. And they want that. Minnesota game on a Friday night battle for Floyd probably will get it on FS one and to a national audience, get a lot of eyeballs. I think that's what's behind it. And these are just things you're going to have to deal with in the big 10. You want the big 10 network. You want all the games on TV. You want Oprah high profile. You want those big checks coming in from the TV stations to help you build these facilities with bells and whistles and, you know, renovate the stadiums and have, Everything that Iowa has and everybody in the Big Ten has, you have to concede sometimes. It's a crappy situation that Iowa has to play Iowa State and then turn around in a short week and travel to Minnesota. But it's just – it is what it is. I hate – sometimes I hate using that cliche, but in this case it really is. It's – you kind of in a way sold your soul a little bit with the TV stations and putting you on whenever they want to put you on. So there's really nothing you can do. You're just – you'd be screaming into the wind. Well, KF let – and this is from uh, Mo Tigerhawk. Will KF let BF continue to evolve the offense into a 21st century type offense, similar to what we saw in the Holiday Bowl? That sounds like a little uh, backhandedness there, Mo Tigerhawk. <laughs> evolve into the 21st century. Um, I do think we'll see some more wrinkles, as we've talked about with the experience on this offense, even though the quarterback is inexperienced, I think we'll be able to, we'll see some more of misdirection plays and jet sweeps. I, there are, you, you talk about guys like Smith Marset and Tyrone Tracy um, and Brandon Smith and, and playmakers, Tyler, you know, Tyler Goodson, guys that are really good in space. I think I was going to do a better job of getting those guys in space this year and providing non-traditional looks 
for defenses to keep from being predictable. I think we'll see more of that next year. Um, are we there yet? I don't know. Are we? That's um, a well-known member of the HN message board, it says. I don't know what it takes to be a well-known member or to be a love doctor for that matter. Um, usually the bowl practice gets a few guys noticed that are making a move up because the shortened bowl practice time before this year's bowl player development didn't seem to get as much attention. Were there any notable underclassmen worth mentioning this year? That's a good question. I, we didn't hear as many, uh, we didn't hear um, as much about that during bowl prep this year, because as you said, it was a shortened, um, preparation because of the calendar. Um, so really I don't have a, a many guys for you in that regard. Um, you know, I think we'll get more of a feel for that in the spring. Excuse me. We'll get more of a feel for that in spring ball when, when the coaches can get a better look at these guys. Um, I really am intrigued by Joe Evans. Uh, he was used in the, in, you know, in the, in the, in the rush package. And I think if he can put on a little bit more weight and get a little stronger, he's a guy that really could take some step fo- steps forward. Uh, I'm sure he got some good work in during the um, the bowl prep, and I think he'll get some. He'll he'll have uh, plenty of eyes, and he'll get plenty of reps during the spring to kind of show what he can do. So, I think that, and then some of the younger defensive backs uh, will get a chance to uh, take a fo- take a forward look in the spring. So, didn't really answer your question there, but I didn't really hear a lot of names in the during bowl prep because of, uh, as you said, the shortened calendar. So those are all the questions that we had. I can't see how we're doing on time, but those are all the questions that we had on the message boards. Now I will go to Twitter. Uh, Let's see here. I appreciate the folks that use the HN mail hashtag. It makes things really a lot more, um, a lot easier for me to track down your questions. Um, just Jeff again, Jeff Myers eight on Twitter asks, was ESPN trolling Iowa fans by not including Garza in the wooden award poll? That was, I I don't know. I I don't have a, you know, a concrete answer for you, how that poll was put together, um, and who put it together. I don't know who runs those, those social media accounts. I know, you know, like, at the University of Iowa in the athletics department, they have multiple people working on from social media feeds that represent the university. I don't know if that's the case. And that was, that was a brain cramp or ignorance, or I don't know what you would call that, but to not have him, not to have Luca and and you guys can Google that poll or search it on Twitter, but Luca Garza was not there. Basically ESPN asked which of these four, uh, big men nationally have the best or look look like the the favorite to win the wooden award and Garza was not included if that and that pretty much says it all uh, let's see here moving on moving on moving on how many 2021 basketball recruits will Fran sign and that depends Mark Duff dial 54 with the Bears avatar and I think I had had another basketball question that was kind of a scholarship count. 
And I do. That's from Taylor Malcolm. If everyone comes back next year for basketball, what's the starting lineup and how does the bench rotation look? I kind of handled um, Mark Duff and um, Taylor Malcolm's questions in, in – uh, combine those questions. That's the word I'm looking for. I wrote this out. As you know, there are 13, or if you don't know, you do now, the 13 scholarships allowed in basketball. Iowa has five incoming freshmen, Keegan and Chris Murray, Josh Ogundeli, Tony Perkins, and Aaron Euless, all guys we talked about earlier in the podcast. So that's five. Then we'll have a redshirt freshman in Patrick McCaffrey. That's six. Two sophomores in C.J. Frederick and Joe Toussaint. That's eight potentially three juniors and Jack Nungy, Connor McCaffrey, and Joe Wieskamp. That puts us at 11. Now, so two scholarships open. That If Luca comes back, that's 12. Bohannon is, comes back, that's 13. Then you have Pemsel and Riley Till. The Riley Till will handle first. He was given a one-year scholarship. So as it looks now, it doesn't look like there's going to be an available scholarship for him next year. And he knew that coming in. And I'm sure his family appreciated getting the scholarship this year. And he deserved it through the work he did in this program for three years prior. He is a kid that's in his fourth season. He redshirted. He could potentially graduate transfer somewhere and get a scholarship next year if he chooses to do that. Or he could go back as a walk-on and stay on the team and be a senior. It wouldn't count against the scholarship count. But something does have to give there. Um, again, you could have Wieskamp and or Luca go to the NBA or professional basketball on some level that would open up a scholarship. Um, what else could happen? You could have transfers. You could have academic issues, but I would doubt that. Um, so that's kind of where they're at right now. I think if they really got in a pinch, you would see Patrick make, Patrick or and or Connor McCaffrey become walk-ons maybe for a season, but uh, time will tell on that. There there are basically a scholarship over how things stand right now, and they'll have to figure that out. So as as that relates to the twenty one class, how many will they take in the twenty one class? Which was Mark Duff's question. You've got the six true and redshirt freshmen, two sophomores, takes us to eight. Uh, Nunji, Connor, Wieskamp takes us to 11. And that's if Wieskamp comes back for his senior season. So that would lead you, leave you with two open scholarships. I wrote a story on Peyton Sanford, uh, junior at Waukee, who has an Iowa offer very high on Iowa's list. Fran has been out to watch him multiple times this year. He's come to games, uh, football and basketball. He has um, plans to come back again before the basketball season's over for one of, for one of these last few home games. His team's 17-2, and two, I believe, ranked fifth in 4A and playing in the state um, or the, yeah, the, the postseason here soon. So we'll have to see if he can get back here schedule-wise. But I would say two, potentially three 2021 recruits, Mark. Um, Sean Jones, any news on Patrick McCaffrey? McCaffrey, is he able to practice? Will he be taking a medical redshirt? Touched on that, Sean. Um, he will redshirt this year, and he has been practicing when he can. He, they're still trying to work out, and I talked about this on the podcast last week as well. They're still trying to work out, you know, the the right cocktail for a better 
better word of medications for his previous thyroid cancer that allows him to maintain stamina and strength to be able to compete at this level. And that's still a work in progress, but they're hoping to have that figured out by next season. Um, But he is able to practice and that's good because they're down bodies and having him at practice is definitely a bonus. Joe Williams, name one Iowa football player on offense and one on defense who hardly played last year that will contribute in 2020. I believe Joe asked that question on the message board as well. So if he didn't, and if it was somebody else, they were on the same page and it's been answered. Uh, Dylan McBride, 77. What is your favorite stadium campus to visit? Not named Kinnick. I've been on to all the road venues. And I would incorporate the towns in this too. I've been, I've traveled to all the road venues in the big 10 in my 23 years here doing this. Um, It's a good question. I would say, and I'll duck saying this Madison's right up there. It's a great town. It's an easy drive, great environment at the stadium, good rivalry. All of those things factor factor in Ohio state is, is unique. I, I don't like the town as much, a little bit spread out. And um, the stadium's great. It's loud. Uh, Penn State, I'll eliminate. And anybody who knows me will understand why on that. No love for Penn State. Um, Nebraska's okay. Uh, I like Minneapolis. And, and TCF Bank's a nice stadium. If I had to pick one, though, not to drag this out any longer, I would probably say Madison. I'd probably say Camp Randall and Madison and in town, those things together. Good beer up there, good restaurants, pretty get, easy to get in and out of the stadium. Uh, so I'm going to go with, I'll go with Madison. How, uh, this is Tyler Sorensen. How good could a 2021 Iowa men's basketball team be if, if parenthetical reference, big if, capital letters on the if, Garza and Joe return. Final four? I think so. Uh, We've seen how well they play this year, especially when Frederick is healthy. Um, And then you've got Bohannon coming back, um, Nunji coming back. I I certainly think it could be a final four team. And I think this team could be a sweet 16 team if Frederick comes back healthy. So that's kind of a a broad-based question because it's hard to say, you know, how the season's going to go and and where they – end up in the tournament and things like that in the matchups. But I would certainly say that final four potential, and that's crazy to think. It'd be interesting to see what happens with, uh, with Luke and Joe, as I've said on other podcasts and written and other radio shows I've been on. I think both of those guys, Joe Wieskamp and Luca Garza, go through the NBA draft process, work out for teams, maybe get invited to the combine, and they'll get the feedback uh, from NBA teams and figure out whether they want to go or come back and uh, they'll do what's best for them. And that's what we should all wish for them. So with that, I think I'm done with questions. If I missed your question, I apologize. You can, uh, you can step in next week and, and um, ask away. I'm going to try to do these every Wednesday, but I appreciate everybody's questions. Can't see how long this is, but I think it's shorter than last week. <laughs> Thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you again soon.